This audio recording is produced by Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous, also known as FA. FA is a program based on the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. It is free and open to anyone who wants to stop eating addictively. The following is one FA member's story of recovery. The opinions expressed here are those of the individual member and do not represent FA as a whole. If you are new or uncertain about FA, we encourage you to listen to several stories to gain an understanding of what the program offers. For information on the FA program, please visit our website, foodaddicts.org. Hello, welcome to this virtual qualification recording of Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous, FA, recorded on Saturday, November 19th, 2022. I am a food addict from Georgia, and I will share my story of recovery from food addiction. Well, I am very grateful to get to share my story this morning. I come here into these rooms as as a low-bottom food addict, as someone who struggled for many years to be free from the obsession with food and my body and didn't have a hope for my future. I'm now living a life that's really second to none. I came into FA and got abstinent when I was 18 years old. I am 31 years old now. I was 295 pounds when I came into these rooms and I am between 155 and 157 pounds maintaining. And while I came in here to mainly to lose weight, what I know to be true is that this is not about weight loss, that this is this is about addiction. Um, this is about the harm that I did to myself with food um, and that I've learned to love myself, whatever body I'm in. And the difference today is that I don't eat through the ups and downs of life. So I grew up in New York. I am one of a set of triplets and we were born very premature and were under two pounds when we were born and lived in the neonatal intensive care unit for uh, a number of months after we were born. And I share that because I experienced a lot of fear, doubt, and insecurity that we talk about in these rooms from as far back as I can remember. My brothers and I were diagnosed with cerebral palsy when we were a year old and struggled to, um, at least I struggled to uh, feel comfortable with who I was for a number of years. And as a young kid, I compared myself to other kids who were not disabled. Um, I wore braces on my legs. I had all the therapies and, and surgeries and all sorts of things that we did and and i looked at other kids around me and thought that i wish i could be like them and i was raised by parents who really did try to instill in my brothers and i a sense of pride around our disability and to some extent i had that but deep down i really struggled with with the with the insecurity in particular when i was almost 6 years old my parents had moved 
uh, built a, a home that was accessible for my brothers and I. And we were there a week to the day and my fraternal brother died in his sleep um, very suddenly and unexpectedly. And it was the day it, my mom found him in the morning, the day before we were supposed to start kindergarten and he was going to be in my class. My parents had fought for a couple of years to get us into quote unquote mainstream classroom, particularly him. He was a wheelchair user. He was extremely intelligent and was really excited for kindergarten and he never got to see that through. And it was a life-changing, devastating experience that for years I had a lot of residual survivor's guilt around his death, my my not dying, my continuing on in school and him not being able to be there with me. All of that stuff was so painful. And what I remember doing as as a kid was twofold. First was not talking about my feelings because I didn't know how to. And then shoving all of those feelings down with food. And that started at a very young age. I, my disordered eating, I cannot blame on my parents or family of origin, but I can say that I come from a family where bulimia and binging and anorexia and all of those things uh, are rampant on mainly on my mother's side. And I come also come from on my mom's side, a Jewish and Italian family where you eat and culturally food was really important. And that was, that was a struggle. That was a big struggle. And so again, I can't say I learned my eating um, from anyone or can't blame it on anyone in particular, but I, it definitely culturally and around me was uh, food was important. And I really struggled with being in school and seeing kids eating quote unquote normally and I wanting to eat whatever I could at all the time. And on top of that was just the grief that I was going through and the trauma that I experienced and not knowing how else to, to deal with it and not wanting to deal with it any other way. So that continued and a few things happened uh, when I was about 10 years old, a couple of things. My mom had weight loss surgery and wound up losing 150 pounds, maintained it, and eventually became a nutritionist and a personal trainer. And that started a, a struggle in our relationship around the way I ate and shame that I felt about my eating and the size of my body and not blaming it on my mother, but it was difficult for me as like someone who was struggling to then have a mother who changed her life in this way and really feared for the path that I was heading down. Also, when I was 10, 9-11 happened and I grew up in New York and my dad was a first responder and we, he survived, but lost a number of friends and 
people, everyone I went to school with was pretty much impacted directly in some way. And it was a really hard time. And that, that was a turning point for me because I remember being pretty clear that I didn't believe in higher power. And that fluctuated over the years after that. I was really exploring and trying to figure out what I believed and what I didn't. And uh, my dad's Irish Catholic, my mom's Jewish, and we I kind of had both of those things growing up. But I remember clearly thinking, how can there be a higher power if things like this happen? And uh, and that wasn't, and that was a young age to kind of come to that decision. But it was because I I was so stuck in in the negative thinking and the fear and the pain i had nightmares all the time my brother would come to me in dreams um i'd have nightmares about 9 11 and it was it was i felt like i woke up in the morning and i was waiting for the other shoe to drop like something else bad was going to happen that day i'd wake up in the morning for years after my brother died and i'd check on my family to make sure they were still breathing because i was so terrified they were going to die I was terrified of death. I every time I was sick, I thought I was going to die. Um, so I had all this trauma that was unresolved and untreated, and not for lack of trying on the part of my parents, but because I could not do it. And so, of course, I got deeper into my disease, and I didn't know it. I didn't know that's what it was at the time, but I knew that my relationship with food was different and challenging, and was not helping in the moment feel that pain and I go in and binge and it'd feel good and I'd feel that numbness and then that would pass and I'd want more and it was that cycle and I did that all throughout my teenage years and I won't go into the full story but my brothers and I, I have a younger brother as well and so my identical brother and my younger brother and I started a career in music when we were teenagers and were homeschooled to tour in our band and um, in high school and really had some incredible opportunities and some really incredible successes at a very young age. And that was prime time for me to, to hurt myself with food. You know, it was, we'd be on the road and I'd stop at a gas station and get the cheapest flour and sugar products I could. And I just sit in the back of the van and binge. And I isolated when I was deep in my disease at that point. And it just got, it just got worse and progressed very quickly. And when I wasn't on the road, I was working at a, at a food place and I would eat steel food while I worked there. And you know, I just was looking to get my fix wherever I could. And it was only perpetuating that negative, negative thinking for me. It, it, it wasn't, it wasn't helping. I did go to therapy at one point and we never talked about this. And this was, this was the reason why I was going and I never talked about it. And cause I just, I didn't know how to, and I would, you know, have a week where I'd decide I was going to lose weight and I'd lose a couple pounds and then I'd eat something and gain back 
five or, you know, and it was just that continuous cycle. And I never tried any traditional diets. Um, I'd beg my mom to be my trainer and my nutritionist and she'd do it. And then I'd sabotage it. And eventually it got to the point where she told me that she couldn't help me anymore. And that she loved me and wanted me to not, didn't want me to be in pain, but that it was only going to harm our relationship. And, and that was the best thing she could have done for, for us. So I, I, it got worse and I came into this program because a few things happened. I was 17 and my mom was diagnosed with cancer very, very suddenly. And, and I spiraled, I couldn't deal with it. I was terrified that she was going to die. And I moved with my identical brother down to South Carolina, where we had some opportunities professionally. And, and we, it just got, it just sent me down this, this spiral that I couldn't get out of. I started drinking. I had done a little, like drank like once before, but um, I started drinking and that drinking turned into pretty regular drinking, alcoholic drinking. And I never tried drugs. I've not tried a drug to this day, but was curious. And that would have been the next thing for me. I was really just a, I've heard it said in these rooms before, a relief seeking missile. So whatever it was, alcohol, food, shopping, sex, whatever I, whatever it was that I could not feel all of that pain I was, I had inside, you know, I just, I wanted it. And I was working in food service and I got fired from a job and, you know, it was just like, it was just bad. And I found out about this program. I had turned 18 and someone I knew I went to, well, actually my mom came down to visit um, and said that my parents were going to sell their house in New York and come down and live in South Carolina. But she looked me in the eye and said, I'm not coming down to watch you kill yourself. So get it together. And that, I'll never forget her saying that because the next day or a couple of days after was that week that she was here. We went to visit someone who I had known for a couple of months and I introduced her to my mom and saw a picture of her on her mantle and she looked completely different. And I said, what did you do? And she said, there's a meeting for food addicts on Thursday night. Why don't you come? And if she had told me anything about this program, I never would have, never, ever would have set foot in these rooms. Um, but I pulled up to a church on a Thursday night, no way am I going into this church? Um, this is not, no way. I was really, really hesitant, but I opened the door and I walked in and I heard people who were twice and three times my age telling my story. And even though I didn't think anyone got me, I, I decided to ask the only person with time to sponsor to sponsor me. I told her I'd call her Monday morning. It was a Thursday. So I binged my brains out over the weekend. I drank, I ate. And Monday morning, I got up and called her. I went back to day one after a month, and I've been abstinent ever since. I did not think this program was for me. I thought I'd lose weight and leave. And instead, I found that, again, it was not about the weight at all, that I could be in a heavier body 
and actually could be happy and not and not and not eat addictively like i could also have a very normal like metabolism and eat and be in a in this body that i'm in now and still eat the same way like the size of my body didn't matter it was what i was doing with food i was hurting myself and i was using food as a drug and that i learned very quickly and saw that this program worked very quickly and i never struggled to call myself a food addict because i knew what i did with food i also didn't struggle to identify as an alcoholic because i knew what i did with alcohol like they were so they were so connected for me and my life has just completely changed it's just a completely different life i mean that's in part because i was 18 years old and um you know i literally have grown up in this program but but also just because i'm i'm just i've learned how to be me um in these rooms i've learned how to live authentically i had started college for one semester before i came in to these rooms and then i dropped out cuz i was bombing and i had always done great in school i loved school but i was a month abstinent uh, or a month in program and i re-enrolled in classes and i got a bachelor's degree and then i immediately got a master's degree and and i did well i did well because i listened to the people in this program who said just just show up and and do the best you can um and i did i did the best i could while traveling with my band and touring and i always had jobs on the side to make money and i got to travel around the world and show up to meetings and share my story and hear from other people in all parts of this world in this country i mean what an incredible gift that was as teen teens early 20s to get to have that kind of access to recovery i went through breakups and call i remember being 20 21 and calling someone on the phone and saying i'm just going to be alone the rest of my life no one laughed at me they said why don't you just stay absent for today just stay absent just just for today and uh and you'll see what happens <laughs> and uh i met my wife and we've been married now for 4 years over 4 years we're expecting our first child something i always dreamed about and never thought i i just didn't know how i could be a dad and and i get to be a dad next year and i i'm so grateful now for the relationships i have in my life that i can actually show up um in a different way for them a way that i couldn't when i was in my disease that i can know the kind of dad i want to be the kind of husband that i want to be today and feel secure in that that's such a gift through the entire first 7 or 8 years of recovery for me i walked through my mom's battle with cancer which was stage 4 and uh i showed up like i i showed up at the hospital with surgeries and treatments and and i didn't eat addictively and and i was able to be present for really tough stuff and five and a half years ago my mom passed away and i got to be there i got to hold her hand and tell her i loved her and she told me she was grateful she didn't have to worry about me which 
was not my story. I was the one to worry about. And I got to be there with her in in that moment. Um, and it was it was so painful. It was it was the hardest thing I've gone through outside of losing my brother. And and there were days after she died where I didn't know how to get out of bed, but I would get out of bed and weigh and measure my meals and I would get back to bed and and I do my tools, like I would do my quiet time and take my sponsee calls, but like I did a whole lot of nothing and and I let myself grieve however I needed to grieve. And and then I started to show up for life. Like that didn't last long. Uh, I started to show up for life and this program was my foundation through that, that I didn't have to pick up the food or the alcohol or anything else to numb myself that I just, I just got to show up and be present. That that's such a gift. Um, and there's been a lot of life since I've moved, I've moved around the country. I've, I'm now permanently in Georgia. I own a home. I went back to grad school and got another master's degree. Um, I say this just completely out of gratitude that I I came from bombing in college my first semester to getting a master's degree at an Ivy League school, winning an award at graduation, and having a perfect GPA. Like that's a miracle. And that is that is this program. That is because I showed up and I I didn't eat addictively and and I I didn't and I just did the best that I could the best that I could and and I'm and I've just gotten to accomplish so much because of that and even if that wasn't the case even if I just barely graduate like I had so much peace around whatever however I did and I didn't have to eat through it and right now there's some big transition happening in my life I just ended a job that was the most challenging and, and and also the most incredible job I've had that was temporary. And it was, it, it, it just opened up so many doors for me and the outcome of this job wasn't what I hoped and wanted and worked for. Uh, but I've gotten to show up with my colleagues now in this time where everyone's kind of unemployed and we're thinking about what's next. And, you know, while people are sad and, and hurting, you know, I am too. And I have hope for what's next for me. And that's, that comes from this program. And what's next for me is I'm going full-time into my own, my own venture. And that's scary. That's terrifying. But I have a lot of faith that I'm going to be able to show up for that and do the work that I I feel so called to do. And and as I'm transit as I'm in this time of transition with a baby on the way and you know doing my own thing and oh, I just feel so grounded in the fact that I don't have to eat today that if I work my tools every day and 
just show up and be present every day. Don't eat no matter what, no matter what, don't eat, which I thought was the corniest thing I'd ever heard when I came into these rooms. If I don't do that, I don't have to live in fear anymore. So I'm very grateful for this program. I'm very grateful for my recovery. And for today, I'm going to keep staying abstinent and keep showing up in these rooms. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this audio recording. To hear additional recordings or to learn more about Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous, you can visit our website, foodaddicts.org.